Hey everybody, welcome to the latest edition of Volley. I'm Carolyn April and as always looking for my good friend Seth Robinson. Seth. Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Yeah. You're uh, mm-hmm. looking like uh, you're in an undisclosed location today. Yeah, I know. My uh, They're working on the internet around my house, I guess. So mm-hmm. I, uh, I just jumped over to the library and not a lot of uh, visual appeal in the study room here at the library. So. <laughs> it's 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 minimalist. Let's put it that that's a good that's a thing. That's a thing. I mean, it's a nice enough room. There's like there's windows in here. Um, yeah. But I can't really grab any of them in the in the screen, or it would right. wash me all out. I guess for so. our podcast listeners who aren't on YouTube, they can't even see this background anyway. So it's kind of a non non thing. But. Uh, yeah. But I'm looking at it. But how You're are you doing? Up you see it. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. I mean, this is the the latest in a series of misadventures trying to record this episode. So it's good to finally be doing this one. Um, this is true. We've been like on vacation, me not on vacation because I messed up my vacations. Then we've had <laughs> scheduling snafus and rescheduling. So here we are. Yeah. Yeah. And so thank you. Thank you for being flexible. I know you're you're trying to kind of enjoy a little bit of that rescheduled vacation this week. So yeah, it's good it's to see bit, you. Yeah. Good to see you too. It's been, yeah, it's been, it, I, we've made the best of it. Um, but uh, yeah, it's been weird, but luckily it's going into a, um, going into a long weekend. So yeah, yeah, yeah. that's going to be good. And we got a good topic today. I think this is going to be fun. We do. Yeah. So, so um, you want to kick it off? You were at ChannelCon uh, earlier this yeah. month, and of course, we had all of our members there. Uh, a lot of people that have been doing channel business for a long time, doing technology business, probably some people that are new uh, into technology business and uh, trying to start up their own managed services. And we've always had a lot of talk about the evolution of service providers and some of the things that they need to do as they're maturing. And I know that our MSP community just put out this MSP playbook, or they're going to put out this MSP playbook, and that got talked about at ChannelCon. And that's for kind of MSPs that have been around for a while, you know, people that are trying to grow their business maybe or, or refine their operations. Um, and that just got me thinking about, well, what about the, the beginning of, of the process? Yeah. What about those, those people that might be start, trying to start a tech firm these days because I think that looks very different than a lot of our members or a lot of people that have maybe been doing technology for a while. When they started off, I think it's very, very different from the way that a company would start today. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, a lot of the you know existing current MSPs and other channel um, companies uh, came from a place, a lot of them where they were entered the market as, as resellers, you know, and going back, you know, into sort of the traditional VAR, if you will, who was reselling in, in most cases, hardware and, and doing so, you know, very, very, in a very traditional way, you know, the, the vendor through a distributor, the hardware, they would buy at some sort of a discount and then resell that to customers and make a little bit of margin on that and then add some value around it with, with respect to other services. And then a lot of those companies have evolved over the years into managed services. So they actually were never companies starting from scratch, most of them as MSPs, but were companies that were evolving from a reseller into a managed services company. Um, and so that was a very different journey than somebody that was just starting from a blank slate um, to become a, an MSP. And in the meantime, we've had all kinds of changes in the industry. 
Um, it's a much bigger ecosystem. The, the number of services and technologies that are offered is just mushroomed. Um, we have the cloud, obviously, and, and you can't go without talking about how much of an impact that's had on how we do everything from the respect, you know, from the perspective of a, of a technology business, whether that's what we sell, how we sell it, where it resides, how customers buy things, all of those things have changed. So yeah, to start a business today um, in the channel services area, uh, very different than it would have been 10, 20 years ago. Very yeah. different. Yeah, so I think there are a few things that we want to talk about, some key considerations uh, yeah. that anyone should be keeping top of mind if they're trying to start up uh, a tech firm. And I, I, a couple of caveats here before we get started. We're, we're talking about a tech services firm, yeah. not so much a tech product firm. So if you were going to build out you know, a, a new widget or you had an idea for some kind of software or app that you wanted to build and you were going to be selling that thing, that's a very different thing than I think trying to get into enablement or services, um, right. whether that's you know kind of a traditional MSP type model or some kind of new services around data analytics or something like that. So we're talking about services here one way or another. Uh, and then the second caveat is we're not specifically talking about the technology that you might wrap the services around. So we're not gonna talk about, you should get into AI or you should get into right. data science or whatever it might be. Um, we, we will have, I think, one little twist at the end on that caveat, but for the most part, we're not talking about the technology. Um, yeah. So I think with those two ground rules set, we can jump right in. We've got four different keys here that I think we're gonna talk about. And the first one is the business functions. That, that you would have to help you run a business. And I, I don't think that these things are ever completely ignored as someone's starting up. Maybe some of them would be, a lot of them wouldn't be, but we're talking about things like finance and legal and HR. Uh, and I, I think that the point of this is that you, you don't want to just do any of those things by the seat of your pants. You don't want to do the bare minimum on them they are critically important to future success, even if they're not maybe critically important to figuring out the market fit or to getting your services you know, off the ground or to building out your portfolio. They're so important down the road. I think that that's what we see in a lot of firms that are a little bit more established and maybe trying to grow that if they haven't built that solid foundation in some of these business areas, then they really start to struggle. They do. Um, that's that's where we see it most right now is in existing companies that were small to begin with, um, started with, you know, technical acumen and sort of all those business functions that you just described um, were not well thought out and, and, and given the same priority as whatever it is, the service, the technology that they were trying to sell. And then when they reach a point where they want to grow to that next level, um, by adding staff, um, which you know what that can do to a company, um, by getting into a new market and really trying to expand revenue, they find out that those those pill, those uh, legs of the stool, the the basic business functions, if they weren't um, on solid ground to begin with, it's very difficult to move forward. And so a lot of these companies ended up going back and trying to get their house in order before they can actually move to the next step. And so what we're recommending here is. Get those things settled from the get-go. You may you will have to make you know alterations as you grow and move. But if you have good fundamentals in the beginning around those very basic business functions of finance, HR, legal operations, I would throw into there as well. Um, you're going to be in much better position to thrive and earlier, and then move more quickly through a growth path without a lot of hurdles along the way. 
Um, go ahead. Yeah, and also be thinking deeply about the questions in each of those areas. Don't just yeah. be doing, okay, what do I what do I need to do for finance to just get started here? Uh, right. You had, I think, a, a lot of good examples around finance that were yeah. good questions to be thinking about rather than just what are the basics, right? Do you want to dig into those a little bit? Yeah, I mean, it's really one of the things that that I've noted and my time, you know, covering the, the channel and also we've seen in, in research is that um, companies don't think through, they do think through sort of the, you know, get me through to tomorrow type of financing, but they don't think through a few things. I think um, COVID really has opened a lot of people's eyes about, you know, things that can go wrong and if you're not prepared. But channel firms in general, what I found are very risk averse. And part of that translates in the, on, in the financial realm to um, unwilling to borrow money. And they don't look at what um, sort of credit availability they may have with their bank or another lender might be. Um, they don't consider those things because to them, that's sort of anathema and they don't want to borrow money. But as most people and entrepreneurs do figure out along the way, at some point, um, financing becomes important. And you may never take advantage of it. Perhaps you're one of those lucky companies that doesn't have to and you've got adequate cash flow at all times. But that's not usually the case. And so one of the fundamentals that I would recommend very early on is even if you're not going to use it, if you value you're never going to, make sure you understand where those lines of credit may exist for you, establish them, um, make sure that you've got you know a good credit rating. And so that when you may find yourself in a position, whether it is um, a negative situation where you really need to borrow money to make ends meet or a positive one, you want to grow. And the only way to expand into something would be to, to put your neck out there and borrow some money. You need to be fundamentally ready to do that. The other thing I would say, I would say that a lot of new companies in this area don't think about is you mentioned HR. Most small companies don't hire an HR department. They may not even have an HR individual. But if in the very beginning, you don't think about how you're going to manage your people in your workforce and potentially grow it and create a culture, even if that's something that's not done with an actual full-time headcount person at the moment, you need to think about some policies and procedures right out of the gate and someone who's going to handle those things, whether that even if it isn't somebody who is um, designated and hired to do so, because down the road, as you grow, you are going to need that functionality formalized and you're better off having some sort of uh, foundation that you've already established for it. So there's just, just a couple of examples um, that may seem pretty obvious, but a lot of companies don't do that upfront. And then they find themselves really drowning when they get to a point where they have to do it tomorrow or immediately. And, and they're not in a good position to do so. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned HR because I think of all these that we're talking about, that to me seems like the one that's most likely to be completely ignored, right? You know, the yeah. someone, if they're starting up, they're just going to grab the people that they need and they're going to get started up. Mm -hmm. And they're probably not going to be thinking about like, how do I continue to build my staff? How do I continue? You know, how do I focus on retention? How do I think about these things? And I would imagine that not a lot of startups are in a place where they want to bring on a full-time HR person, but I think yeah. to do a little bit of HR consulting would probably go a long way. Yeah. Um, and then legal is maybe the last one to mention here where I think like finance, there's no way to kind of get started without having some kind of legal thought, but I think it's really important to go deeper, especially in technology services to kind of yeah. understand things like liability, things yeah. like regulations, these things that have become a lot more important today than they were several years ago. 
Yeah. Um, so I, I think all of those business functions are really important to think through upfront and not just treat like I'm going to do the bare minimum and then I'll build it up as I go. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that that really puts you behind the eight ball. The, the second key that I think we wanted to, to highlight is another business function, but one that we thought was worth highlighting on its own, and that's marketing. Yeah. Um, you have done a lot of discussions around the need for marketing uh, in today's service industry, uh, that so many of them were just tied to a vendor beforehand and they didn't really build their own identity. And, and now that's becoming more and more important is kind of building and creating your own identity and then finding a way to message that out to your own clients, existing clients, potential clients, whatever it might be. So I, I think that marketing arm um, is another business function, but I think it's one worth kind of pulling out and talking about separately. Yeah, it's super important. And marketing has not been a strong suit for a lot of traditional tech services firms. Um, again, you mentioned it, they often tied um, their branding to the vendors whom they worked with, you know, the, the products they were selling and those vendors who made those products, um, that was their entry card into visiting potential customers. Um, that's changed dramatically. In the world that we live in now, um, honestly, sales is almost um, secondary to the sales skills um, in your organization are almost secondary to what should be your marketing skills. And, and, the, and I'll explain it in this way, is that customers today are really the hunters. They figure out in many cases that they are in need of something. They don't always know what they need, especially in the technology area, but they have grown accustomed as consumers in their regular life to going out and vetting products, services, doing a lot of research ahead of time. And they're looking, they're often looking and they're looking online. Um, You as a company that's selling something need to have a very strong marketing presence and branding presence for those customers to find you. In a lot of cases, it used to be that it was all about sales, cold calling, knocking on doors, you're going out and trying to push yourself. Now you need to be there when customers come to you. And, And that requires a really good digital marketing, content marketing type of strategy for your organization, a really good website, one that takes advantage of all the technologies that are out there today. Um, using SEO as much as you, Seth, you and I who work in the content world, you know, can groan and moan about SEO. But for a lot of companies trying to get themselves seen by the customers, these things are very important to get to the top of search lists and all of that. Um, and, and that takes some skill and expertise. And a lot of smaller companies in the, in the tech services area don't necessarily have that. And I would strongly suggest allocating more of your budget than you would expect to, to the marketing area and whether that's people, um, training, um, whether that's certain types of tools and software tools that you may use, but making sure that that is not kind of a, um, a secondary priority, but make it one of the top priorities. Because the more that you can create your own identity in the marketplace, especially as a services firm, uh, the more likely you are to be um, competitive, at least, and more successful against others who don't create that kind of identity that sticks out. Yeah. Yeah. And the last thing to maybe add on to that is I feel like I don't hear quite as much these days about like multi-channel or omni-channel marketing, yeah. but I, I feel like it's just as important as it ever was. Like when you mentioned having a really strong website, which I think is critical, I think 
very closely tied with that is having a very strong mobile presence, whether your website is mobile optimized or whether you're building out an app. Mm -hmm. We talked on the last episode about social and how that's really become the domain of marketing. Um, and, And just this knowledge of how individuals are moving through digital experiences, whatever that might be. I I think that that is kind of where the whole discussion on metaverse has has regressed back to is is this idea of multi-channel or omni-channel or just the customer being in a lot of digital experiences and you needing to be there in some way yourself um, to be present and to be identifying yourself and your brand with consistency. Um, yeah, in order in order to be successful at that, you and this goes back to one of our business fundamentals. We probably should have put right at the beginning was um, identifying your customer target. So really knowing who your customer is, who your ideal customer is, will help you then fine tune and hone all of these marketing omni-channel, you know, means of communication and and other ways to promote yourself and to reach those customers. So rather than just throwing a lot of spaghetti at the wall, really understanding like the geography of your customer, the size of customer you're after, the type of services that they may be looking for that you have, and then the persona thing, I guess, is what it is. And then you can really, I think, have an easier time trying to identify what the best channels are for you to reach those people. Yeah, definitely. So, so we mentioned how this need to focus on marketing and build your identity comes from uh, the, the change in the environment where uh, services firms aren't as tied to the vendors that they might be working with anymore. But that still doesn't remove the need to think about the other people in the technology ecosystem that you might be working with, whether that's vendors or distributors or other MSPs or services firms in your area that might have different specializations than you. I think we put all of that under the umbrella of alliances, um, Mm -hmm. where it's a different way of thinking. again, Again, it's thinking about the entire ecosystem rather than thinking of yourself at kind of the end of a product chain uh, and just doing being the last mile of that product out to customers. But it's still, I think, really important to recognize who all the players are and which types of players there might be. Uh, and it even extends beyond pure technology firms into firms that might be doing business consulting, um, but there, there might be technology kind of woven through the business consulting that they could do, and there could be a good partnership there. Yeah. So I think there's just a lot to consider when it comes to alliances. Uh, and so that's the third thing that we wanted to really highlight for anyone thinking about doing a services startup. Yeah, alliances are critical. Um, again, we, we, you know, we mentioned that we've moved a little bit away or a lot away from the kind of the traditional linear line of the manufacturer to the distributor to the channel company out to the customer. Um, but and now we've got this this ecosystem of all kinds of types of partners um, in the channel. Um, some who don't even identify as being in the channel, but they happen to be tangential and they're doing something like a consultant that may relate to your business. But being wise about who you decide to work with and understanding that there are lots of different types of alliances that you could form out there um, is going to be critical to your success as well. You still need to pick the right vendors. You want to make sure you're selling the right products and services as part of your portfolio. 
Um, you also want to be using the right services. If you're an MSP, you know, the decision on what type of internal software for you to use, your PSA software, your RMM software, which will intersect with your customers as well. Th those are critical decisions to make. And you want to make sure that, you know, you're working with the right vendors in that regard, because it'll make your your company run better and therefore your brand will you know be untarnished if it's running well and your customers will see that part of you so that's important um distributors this these days have really gotten well beyond being fulfillment type of um wholesalers in the middle of this whole equation that we call the channel or the go-to-market um, and distributors are offering all kinds of services. Um, they're becoming platforms for a lot of the, the vendors out there. So they're online marketplaces in a sense. And that's um, a place for channel partners to be able to go and, and, and source a lot of their materials, but bundled in certain ways and available via the cloud. So picking the right distributors to work with is going to be important too. And I think the one thing we talk about a lot but often doesn't get taken advantage of is how much you can align yourself with other partners and fill skills gaps that's that way we talk about you know the the skills gap issue it's very difficult as a channel company to be a jack of all trades these days i mean a lot of companies are starting to get away from being fully horizontal generalists because there's so many different technologies that you would need to be adept at that it's almost impossible um, so, you know, it can really help you to find a few partners out there that do things better than you do in certain areas. And you have some sort of skill that you bring to the table that you can mar marry with what they don't have and, um, and build some sort of a little mini ecosystem, if you will, that helps you there as well. Um, and this is really just kind of, you know, networking, joining peer groups, understanding what's out there and doing your homework um, in order to do that um, and take advantage of fully um, fully aligning yourself with a lot of other companies that are in the in the same space as you are. Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned that the the linear model has kind of faded a little bit. And I think that's true, but we've talked on here quite a bit and you've talked in your research quite a bit that it's it hasn't gone away. It's not going away. No. I think there is are still a lot of firms who's kind of center of gravity or, or their business model looks still pretty similar to a linear model. And I think that's fine. I think that could continue. I think even if you're yeah. starting up a firm today, maybe you would align more to that linear model. I think the point is that's not the only option and it's possibly not the best option for growth if you were starting up a firm today. Uh, it might not be the, the most, um, robust or dynamic way that you would choose to serve customers. Um, so I, I think there's a wide spectrum of uh, business models that you can have that where the alliances would look uh, one way or another. And something that looks kind of that like that linear model still might be applicable, um, but it's not the only thing out there by any means. Well, that's the exciting thing about the channel. I like to say, you know, you've got a lot of options in terms of the, the business model you want to pursue and it's changeable over time. Um, you, you can lock into a hybrid type of model where your primary business may, may look like a linear model. It may operate that way, but you may have some alliances and partnerships and referral partners, um, you know, in and around your business that, that help round it out or have it be, you know, make it a little bit more sophisticated in certain ways. Um, and yet you're still moving in the, on that linear chain. So um, there's no one size fits all, I think was your point. And I think that's yeah. a, very good, a very good one. Yeah, so I think that brings us to the last key that we want to mention. And like I said at the beginning, we're gonna mostly keep this technology free. 
Um, but we did want to mention cybersecurity as the last key here. And I think that this is critical to mention whether you are featuring cybersecurity as a service that you're offering or not. I think whatever you're doing, you have to be fluent in cybersecurity. And maybe you could make the argument that you still have to be kind of fluent in architecture or system design or data or whatever it might be. You've got to have some fluency there, but I, I think that cybersecurity rises above all of those um, pretty clearly as, as the one that you have to have pretty good breadth and depth in, even if you're not featuring cybersecurity. You have to have good cybersecurity in your own practices and your own business. And then you have to be able to talk about it, even if you're not offering it and be able to guide your clients and customers into the right decisions uh, around the services that you might be offering. So as much as cybersecurity still is kind of a technology topic, we always talk about it uh, you know, on the research team as a business imperative now. It and is. it's really taking a different shape for an end user, an individual firm, as they're thinking about how they're running their business, I think that we see that they're thinking less and less about cybersecurity as part of their IT architecture and their technology footprint, and more about cybersecurity as almost a business function, kind of like back at the beginning, we're talking about finance, legal, cybersecurity. It's almost a business function these days. So uh, it's so important. Um, it's, it's not going to stop anytime soon. You know, it's always yeah. going to be this constant balancing act. We're definitely going to be talking about cybersecurity quite a bit over the next month. Um, but it's it's the last thing that, that we think that uh, people need to think about if they're starting a technology services firm. Well, it's critical. It goes back to identity, too. So you want to have a brand and, a, and an identity. And part of that is trust. You want customers to trust you. If you're an MSP, you're essentially asking customers to entrust you with their assets, their customer data, their um, their technology assets, um, all of the information that resides within their technology environment. Um, they need to trust you, just like putting your money in a bank. You need to trust that that bank has backup insurance if something happens and, and has cybersecurity and privacy policies in place. The bank doesn't sell cybersecurity solutions necessarily, but they need to know what they're doing with regard to it. And, and likewise, the same thing if you are an MSP um, who is taking over the, you know, the control and the accountability for your customer's environment, um, they need to believe and know that you have some cybersecurity expertise there. Um, you may parlay that into part of your portfolio in your business as well, but you don't necessarily have to do that. You don't have to be a seller of cybersecurity services, but you need to understand cybersecurity and you need to be good at it. Um, or you're, you know, you're going to find yourself in, in, in trouble, or you're just not going to be competitive in terms of gaining customers. So, Definitely, it's one of those conversations that um, you have to have, and you will always continue to have with customers, with the you know the partners and alliances that you form. I think it's kind of permeates everything that we do. Yeah, and I, I, I think that the way that cybersecurity has evolved, and when we talk about modern cybersecurity compared to the old days of a secure perimeter, I think there are still a lot of companies out there that haven't really wrapped their head around what that means. Um, what it means to try to be following a zero trust framework and what it means to be thinking about cybersecurity in terms of not just technology, but also process, uh, not just protecting things, but also being proactive. I think we still see so much room for improvement, you know, in all of that. Uh, and so having that fluency and, and really understanding what modern cybersecurity looks like 
uh, is critical. And like I said, we're going to have a new cybersecurity report coming out very soon, and that's going to be the the focus of a couple episodes for us. So uh, everyone can stay tuned for that. Yeah, more to discuss there for sure. Well, I think that was a good primer. Yeah, I hope so. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I know just, again, from kind of looking at what's come out of ChannelCon, you know, attending that event for, you know, several years and, and talking to you over the years about your research, uh, it was good to kind of talk about this and kind of say, okay, if you were starting something today, how does that look a little different than you were if you would have started something 10 or yeah. definitely 20 years ago? Yeah, agreed. So hopefully a lot of people out there starting their new businesses because we, we like to see the pipeline get filled in the channel too. Yeah, yeah, this is going to be the seed that uh, <laughs> yeah. boosts all kinds of startups. So. Of course. All right. Well, thanks again for your flexibility. And thanks, as yeah. always, to our producer, Andrew McMillan. And Carolyn, I'll see you next time. Sounds good. Bye-bye.